Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This series is on the parables of Jesus. A terrific companion to this teaching is Kevin's best-selling book, Mystery Parables of the Kingdom, available in paperback, hardcover, and ebook formats from Amazon in your area, or as an immediate PDF download from the shop at kevinconnor.org. Okay, just uh, several verses from Matthew chapter 12, and we'll pick up in verse 25 through to uh, 28, just for a couple of thoughts we want from here. Matthew chapter 12, verse 25 through to 28. And Jesus knew their thoughts, that's the Pharisees, and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then shall his kingdom stand? So Satan has a kingdom. Everybody see that? So, uh, in fact, in verse 25, we're looking at this the other night, three particular words in that verse, kingdom, city, house. Satan has a kingdom, Satan has a city, Satan has a house. And uh, you remember what the Bible says, that when Lucifer rose up against God and against his word, he said, I will be like God. And really, he's not saying he'll be like God as far as character is concerned and holiness and righteousness, but to imitate God. So God has a kingdom, Satan said, I'll have a kingdom. God has a city, and Satan says, I'll have a city. God has a house, and Satan has a house. So I've circled those three words in my Bible. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. So Satan has a kingdom, Satan has a city. What's the name of the city of Satan? Uh, No, no, it's just been being rebuilt over there by... Babylon, everybody say Babylon. Babylon. And don't keep babbling on either, okay? Uh, so the city of Satan is Babylon. What's the city of God? I need a word before Jerusalem. New Jerusalem, not that old smelly place over there. So you needn't go for a misguided tour to that old Jerusalem. Okay? New Jerusalem. Don't just say the city of God is Jerusalem because people are looking at that smelly thing over there. When Jesus comes, he's going to blow that city to smithereens. How many know where smithereens is? <laughs> so if you, I might upset some of you a little bit tonight, but that's all right. We'll see you Sunday. <laughs> but uh, if you're looking to have that earthly city of Jerusalem as the capital of the millennial kingdom, you can forget it. Because Abraham was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. He wasn't looking for that city over there. He was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God, heavenly Jerusalem. Can you all say amen? Amen. And Satan has a house. What is his house? What's the house of the Lord? The church. So Satan has a church too. So he's the counterfeit. All right, so Satan has a kingdom, a city, and a house. And then in verse 28, Jesus speaks of another kingdom, And he says, if I uh, cast out devils by the Spirit of God, or other gospel says the finger of God, so the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is the finger of God. So if I cast out devils by the uh, Spirit of God or the finger of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. So briefly there we have two kingdoms. Now, I want you to turn over to uh, Revelation chapter 17. I'll try not to move too fast, but I do need to move reasonably fast. I so think. All right, now, 
Let's look at what we're covering tonight to try and wrap up on so many loose ends here. Last week, we sort of put this line here, and uh, remember the seven things we went through about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is an everlasting kingdom. Kingdom of God is not of this world system. Kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. So way back in eternity, God had a kingdom. So there's always been a kingdom. So we might say from eternity to eternity, uh, God's kingdom is, is, is an, it's an everlasting kingdom. But now in relation to earth, and I want to draw two, two lines here because as we see here, first of all, we have, we have one kingdom, which is the kingdom of God, and then we have another kingdom, which is the kingdom of Satan. So both of these kingdoms run parallel together. So I'm just going to, this won't be to scale, but we'll be bringing a lot of material together. Okay, now, let's first of all put up here the kingdom of God. All right, so we have the kingdom of God, and we saw seven major scriptures about the kingdom of God last week, and I don't want to take time to repeat them. All right, now, in relation to earth now, we're looking in relation to earth, so from eternity to eternity, there's always been a kingdom, but in relation to earth, we see unfolding here. So on this top line here, I want just to remind us what we mentioned before, the kingdom of God in relation to earth. Everybody say in relation to earth. So in relation to earth, okay? And in, when we say in relation to earth, we're talking about time. Whenever you talk about earth, you're talking about time. See, here we have eternity, and then we have time. So the kingdom of God in relation to earth and time. The book of Revelation tells us that there's going to uh, come a time when time shall be no more. Wouldn't that be great? So you can throw away your suit, go watch. Leave it to the Antichrist. Tell him to keep up the payments, anything. You won't need it because we'll be in full eternal life. Won't that be great? We won't be creatures of time. We'll live as long as God does. Does that frighten you? Huh? God's got a vast plan for us, saints, hasn't he? For all eternity. You know, I hope your concept of heaven isn't going to sit on a cloud playing a guitar. I mean, if we're going to be doing that for all eternity, forget it. How many think God's got a vast plan for us? And time is only a little period of probation. Okay? Who'd want to serve the devil? Uh, so, now, in relation to earth and time, we've seen that there was the kingdom past. Then we have, I'm going to make this wider for a reason here. Then we have the kingdom present. And then we believe in the kingdom future. I do. Okay? For those of you in the millennium, you can forget that part. All right, now, in relation to the kingdom of God in the earth in time past, the kingdom of God was in Israel. And I want you to pick up two thoughts here. We have to cover a lot of material. Number one, remember Acts chapter 7, verse 38. Israel was called the church in the wilderness. So the Old Testament church was the nation of Israel. Israel was God's church in the Old Testament, okay? Not only was it the church, but the kingdom of God had its demonstration in Israel. So the church and the kingdom, church and the kingdom. So he says, uh, I brought you on eagle's wings under myself and I want you to be under me a kingdom of priests. So Israel was God's church and, and it was the demonstration of God's kingdom in the earth. So the church and the kingdom. Then when we come here, and this period, by the way, covers approximately 4,000 years. All right, not the scale, of course. Now, when we come to this period of time, 
a little half circle here. Uh, we come here to the, the kingdom in its present time. As we saw last week, it began with John the Baptist saying, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus confirming the same, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All right, now, this period of time, and again, I want to put a little bit here, approximately 2,000 years. So we're not setting any dates or anything like that, but 2,000 years. And here we have the kingdom in relation to the church. The New Testament church. Israel was the Old Testament church. And now the New Testament church, okay? And the kingdom of God has its demonstration here. When Jesus said, uh, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness to all nations, then shall the end come. Who is the instrument for preaching and demonstrating the gospel of the kingdom? The Jew? The Gentile? Or the church? The church is. We are the only instrument. And so as I often say, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the church. doesn't say that. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom. We say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy church come. No, thy kingdom come. Okay? So we've got to sort this out. And so Jesus said to Peter, Upon this rock I will build my kingdom, and I'll give you the keys of the church. No, what did he say? Upon this rock I will build my church, and I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. So we have the church and the kingdom here. All right? And then I believe in a coming uh, kingdom, which will, is definitely spelled out as a thousand years. So without setting any dates or anything like that, we have God's week here. Four thousand years, a day in the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. Two days, a day in the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. And from here to here, we have six days of the Lord. God works six days in creation. Now he's working six days in redemption. Seventh day, rest. Seventh day rest. And so we have the future kingdom, what is uh, spoken of as the millennial kingdom, okay? So 7,000 years that God is working and only God has the exact calendar on that. All right, so now that's the kingdom of God in relation to the past, present, and future. We're involved in this area here and I believe it is later than we think. It's 1991. In fact, I was just reading, uh, coming back from India and... Uh, I often say this, it's later than we think. A number of people in India and some in Australia and some in America have actually seen signs in the sky. The end. Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. Get ready. Just in different places. So it's, it's later than we think. It's a lot to be done in a short time. How many believe that? All right, now let's go to the other kingdom. And down here we have the kingdom of Satan. I want to put this over here kingdom of Satan, so two kingdoms and these two kingdoms are in conflict when we're born into the world, we're born into the kingdom of Satan and uh, by new birth we're taken out of the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of light now, let's go to Revelation chapter 17 Revelation chapter 17 and these are peculiar scriptures and I'll try and K-I-S-S-S So Revelation chapter 17, and we'll pick up in verse 5. There's a woman here, and she has, uh, upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Then down to verse 9, and here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains. 
Now, a mountain in Scripture is always symbolic of a kingdom. Everybody say that. A mountain in Scripture is symbolic of a kingdom. Everybody say that. A mountain is symbolic of a kingdom. Okay, a mountain in Scripture is always symbolic of a kingdom, see? So, seven heads, seven mountains on which the woman sitteth, and there are seven kings. And when you say kings, you have kings and a kingdom. Now, listen to the peculiar language here. Some of you may be familiar with this, some of you may not be. Five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short space. Then we go down to verse 14. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are cold and frozen. Uh, so, so, they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. How I many know there are some who are cold and frozen? <clears throat> and note the sovereignty of God in verse 17. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will. How many believe that God is sovereign? And that God can just put in the hearts of even unbelievers to fulfill his will, whether they like it or not. Okay? And to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. Now, listen carefully to what we, we're saying here on these uh, kingdoms. So, we have the kingdom of God, we have an op opposition kingdom here, kingdom of Satan. Now, in relation to earth and time, Satan has seven heads, seven world kingdoms. So, we'll go one, two, oh, I better try and keep this here, three, <clears throat> four, five, Six and seven. Okay, let's spell these out. We're trying to, without trying to prove and give you scripture on everything like that, you'd have to read my book on Revelation. Okay, kingdom one, kingdom two, kingdom three, kingdom four, kingdom five, kingdom six, and kingdom seven. Okay, uh, over here particularly, okay? First kingdom. Now, remember what John's seeing. He's seeing a beast. The, 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 the devil is a beast. The Lamb of God contrasted to the beast. Okay, and this uncanny beast, uh, you, you can't find any animal like this in the zoo. This is God's zoo. And in God's zoo, how many know that he has the weirdest animals? Yeah, I mean, there's an animal there. He has uh, the, the mouth of a lion. And he has bare feet. I mean, the feet of a bear. And he has the body of a leopard. And he's got ten horns. And he's got seven heads. How many think he'd like more than one head? Eh? But that's a, that's a real monstrosity. Eh? So this is God's zoo. And at the moment, these animals are locked up in God's zoo. But we're coming very close to a time when God's going to open the cage and let them loose. And I will just like to be well into the kingdom of God. Because down here we're coming to a time where the battle of Armageddon is on. When Armageddon's on, I'm a getting out of it. How many are coming with me? Okay. okay. All right, now, so Satan is the beast, the devil, seven heads. Now, in relation to earth and time, he has manipulated seven uh, world kingdoms. In fact, while you're in, go back to chapter 16, 
While we're on this, chapter 16. And uh, we'll pick up in verse... Well, you never know where to pick up here, but verse 12, also interesting in, in my mind. The sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. Don't, don't try and spiritualize it away. Look what has been happening in the river Euphrates in the last number of months. And the city of Babylon. It's amazing that uh, the city of Babylon, what uh, Sudan Hussein has built so far, was not touched in the Gulf War. Reason behind all that, saints. And the water thereof was dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three... And how many know that I'm fanatic for believing the word? That I believe every word's inspired. I saw three unclean spirits. Three counterfeit of God, who is three unclean spirits opposite to the Holy Spirit, like frogs. So I was telling the folks the other night, don't ever say you've got a frog in your throat, because it's a demon. Don't ever say you've got a frog in your throat with a cross leg. It's a demon. That's what it says in verse 14, for they are the spirits of devils. So I've quit saying I've got a frog in my throat. <laughs> How many agree with that? All right, so I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come, and where do they come out of? I want you to listen to this. Out of the mouth. Out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Talk about propaganda. Look at the junk that's coming out of the mouth of the media today and the television and the radio and all the rest of the forms of media that's coming out of the mouth and there's a spirit that's behind the mouth. And where do these spirits go to? Very significant. They are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth Okay, because you touch the prime minister or touch the king or the president, you shape his brains by these unclean spirits, you shape the government, you shape the politicians, you shape the destiny of a nation, you shape the media's mind and the media shapes the people's mind. That's why I, wouldn't, I hardly ever buy a newspaper. I got the news here. In fact, I got the news behind the news. Why support those slanderers and liars and uh, character assassinators? Why don't you read the news here? Tomorrow's news is already back here 2,000 years back. Are you breathing out there tonight? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You just have to pardon me thinking out loud. I do on Wednesday a bit more. All right, so they go to the kings of the whole earth. They go to the ruling powers, the authorities, because if they can shape them, they can shape the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Okay, now... These spirits go to the kings to shape their mind and then you come to chapter 17, the seven kings or seven world kingdoms. Okay, let's listen to them. First one is the Egyptian kingdom, okay? Egypt. Second world kingdom was Assyria. A little bit of history if you ever got this in school. Or maybe they gave you too many peace studies, okay? Uh, Assyria. And then the next world kingdom was Babylon. And the next world kingdom, number four, was Medo-Persia. Okay, we looked at this last week on that uh, image of the man, deified man. Next world kingdom was the Grecian Empire, Grecian Empire number five. And the next one was the Roman kingdom. And then the last one to be revealed, and you'll notice between here, first coming of Christ, 
second coming of Christ, restraint. Restraint. Now, just while I'm on this, turn to, turn to uh, Revelation, uh, two scriptures I want you to look at the same time. Look at the one scripture with your left eye and the other scripture with your right eye. Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. Is everybody understanding me so far? All right, Revelation, uh, Daniel chapter 7, pass, pa- pardon me. <laughs> I'm starting to talk in tongues, that's all right. When I get excited, I do that. And then Revelation chapter 13. Okay, so Daniel 7, listen to just verse um, verse 1 to 3. That'll be... Uh, oh, yeah, I better restrain. Okay, Daniel 7, verses 1 to 3 will be sufficient. I'm talking about restraint now. What I want you to pick up here is this, that between the manifestation of kingdom number 6 and kingdom number 7, we have restraint here for the purpose we're talking about tonight. So Daniel chapter 7 says, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heavens strove upon the great sea. So I want you to think of that. Four winds striving upon the great sea. And four great beasts came up out of the sea, diverse one from another. Uh, the first was like a lion, had eagle's wings. Second one was like a bear. Third one was like a leopard. Fourth one was terrible, dreadful. It had ten horns. Okay? That's what Daniel sees. So he sees the uh, great sea here and these four winds striving upon the sea. And remember we looked at the scripture that the wicked are like the sea. So we think of the restless masses of humanity, the undercurrents, the cross currents, the tidal waves, the roaring of the nations, the wicked are like that. And here's four winds striving upon the sea. And up out of the sea he sees these four successive beast kingdoms come, as he interprets. Now, I want you to go to Revelation chapter, what did I say? Well, let me change my mind. Revelation 7. Daniel 7, Revelation 7. Good to correspond. Then we go to chapter 13, Revelation 7. Now look at the contrast here. In Daniel 7, the four winds are striving on the sea. Revelation 7, verse 1. And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, literally restraining them, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And he saw another angel sending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, until we have sealed the servants of our God in their forehead. What I want you to pick up there is in Daniel 7, you see the four winds striving upon the sea and uh, out of the restless masses of the sea, the cross currents, the undercurrents, tidal waves and everything like that, uh, these four progressive world kingdoms, the four world kingdoms, beastly kingdoms, that's what God sees the kingdoms of this world as beastly in nature and character coming up. But in Revelation 7, the contrast is this. There's four angels 
holding, restraining. Now, why do you think they're restraining? He tells you why. Until the servants of God are sealed with the seal of the living God. What is the seal of the living God? Don't get into that, that these are 144,000 Jewish evangelists. What is the seal of God? No one converted Jew or Gentile gets the seal of God. So once you determine what the seal of God is, and Paul tells us, so the winds are restraining here. So during, during this period, between first coming and second coming, there's restraint on because of what God is doing in a sealing work. And if that was true back there, it's true now. Now, let's pick it up here. The seventh world kingdom, and it'll be the final one, is the kingdom of Antichrist. And this will be the kingdom that is in manifestation when Jesus comes the second time. So we have first coming here, second coming here. When Jesus comes to establish his kingdom, when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, this will be the kingdom with its ten horns that will stand up against the prince of princes and the king of kings and lord of lords. But how many know he's the overcomer? He'll conquer them. Now, let's think of what we read in Revelation 17. Are you still with me? So John sees this beast, none other than the devil himself for that matter, with seven heads, and Satan has been the brains behind these seven world kingdoms, and every one of them have opposed the people of God. So Egypt opposed Israel as a united nation down in Egyptian bondage. Assyria opposed the northern house, the ten tribes, house of Israel. Babylon opposed the southern kingdom, house of Judah. Medo-Persia, also involved with the house of Judah, Grecian kingdom. And so what does John say? As he's seeing this beast with the seven heads, the, the prophecy said, five have fallen, one is, one is yet to come. And when he comes, he continues a short space. May I say right here, that short space is simply three and a half years. Three and a half years ministry back here for Christ and three and a half years ministry here for Antichrist. Christ, Antichrist, half a week, half a week. Okay, so now, what does John say? When he sees the seven heads, he said, five have fallen. So, Egypt had fallen. Assyria had fallen. Babylon had fallen. Medo-Persia had fallen. Greece had fallen. And he said, one is. What was the kingdom in existence at the time of Christ? Rome. And Rome was the only world kingdom that ever had the terrible punishment by crucifixion. And God knew that. So Rome, one is. And there's one yet to come, the Antichrist, and when he comes, he'll, short, he'll continue a short space, but he stands up against the King of Kings, and that's it. And I believe that this Antichristal kingdom is in formation today, saints. We're headed for one world government, one world monetary system. We're headed for the old ID card. What do you think all this stuff is about? You can't even go to the bank without getting your social security number and your tax number. So all that was plan B. If people rejected plan A, they already had plan B, and it's working. Right? It's when they come to stick it on here that I'll speak in tongues at them. How many would join me? Okay. And they say, oh, you and you Australian. <laughs> I remember I used to go and pray up in Bendigo years ago out in the sticks with a brother, and we'd be speaking in tongues bellowing like the bulls of Bashan. We had a marvelous time. So there was a Catholic family next door and they used to say to this brother, does your priest 
come out to practice his Latin in your place each week. <laughs> Just fun. All right, so what I'm saying here is that the kingdom that was in the time of Christ was Rome, and God has put restraints on here. Do you know why? Because out of every kindred, tongue, tribe, and nation, he's forming the church. So he's just restraining some things here until he gets his church. And when the church has finished its job, then all hell will be let loose. And I don't want to be around at that time. Now, so is everybody with me so far? So this gives you an overview of Satan's world kingdoms. He's the brains, and he's manipulated these kingdoms and controlled the, the pharaohs of Egypt and the kings of Assyria and the kings of Babylon and so forth, the uh, Caesars of Rome and the Antichrist and the whole thing that's happening in the United States of Europe and all this that's form forming, moving so fast, Satan's the brains behind it. And that's why he said to Jesus, look, if you'll fall down and worship me, I'll give you all these kingdoms of the world because they were delivered to me. When, when Adam fell, he delivered the unborn generations of the world's kingdoms over to Jesus. And Satan is saying to Jesus, you don't need to go to the cross to get the kingdoms. If you fall down and just give me a little bit of worship because Satan wants worship, I'll give you all these kingdoms because Adam gave them to me and you're the last Adam I can give them to you. Just worship me. And Satan wants worship. He's getting it through rock music and 101 other things today. I want to worship the Lamb of God. Worship Jesus. Now, for our last few moments, I said all that to say this. All right, and this is where we bring all our loose parts together. We said that the parables of the kingdom are progressive. So if you draw on this famous chart, you can put one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Now, this is what we've been working through the seven parables of the kingdom. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Now, as I said, all these parables had their beginning way back in the, in the, in the Gospels and in the book of Acts, on through the epistles, and you and I are actually living in the consummation of the seven parables of the kingdom now. Let's just briefly put them up. If you've been here for the series, if you haven't, you need to get the tapes. First parable was the parable of the sower and seed. Now, I know you can't read that, but at least you can understand what I'm saying. Parable and the seed, and that's the gospel of the kingdom. It began way back in the book of Acts, but it continues right through to this end of the age. Parable number two was the wheat and the tares. I'll just abbreviate this. Mixture in the kingdom. And we're way in that we're still seeing, we're seeing the consummation. Except that remember Jesus said, let the wheat and the tares grow together till the end of the age. So the inner nature and character of people is being exposed today. So we're in the consummation. It began there, we saw it in the book of Acts. And then we saw the parable of the mustard seed and the dirty birds in it. And we just see that again. So it began way back there and it's just coming to its consummation in our day. Anybody with eyes to see of the kingdom will see, wow, we're living in the consummation of the seven parables. And then the woman, parable number four, uh, and the meal and the leaven, and the corruption of the word of God as we see it today, the leaven in the meal. Those of you who are here that night, okay, we're way down here. Look what's happening. And all these satanic Bibles and, and this, 
this uh, feminist Bible, Our Father and Mother which art in heaven. And many have heard the new Lord's Prayer, so-called. And instead of saying, Thy son, your only child, a whole sexist Bible. In the beginning, God created the male and female. In the beginning, he created them it. <laughs> then number, five, uh, number four, uh, five, the treasure in the field. We spent a whole night on that, the treasure in the field. And then parable number six, the pearl of great price. And the goodly pearls, the pearls. And then parable number seven, the dragnet. Mixture again, good and bad fish. And remember Jesus said, the end of the age, the end of the age. So here we are, way down here. Now, out of all these parables, the same as we have seven churches, and just don't throw this away, don't, you know, exercise your leg muscles and jump to conclusions too much, okay? There's mixture, and that which is evil will go into what I believe is the ultimate period of tribulation. Same here, the tares, the bad fish, the leaven. The book of Revelation basically falls around two groupings of people, overcomers or overcome. Here it all comes to the consummation here. And in this period of time, you're going to see the rise of the Antichrist kingdom, you're going to see the true church, the harlot church. Both are in formation today. And when Jesus comes... He destroys all this. Now, let me say this statement, and don't throw it away. Don't lose your second blessing. When Jesus comes a second time, I don't believe that there will be any sinners in the millennial kingdom. And I challenge anybody to give me one scripture to show that there's sinners in the millennial kingdom, where you're going to give them a second chance to hear the gospel because they didn't get it here. Let's turn to Matthew 13 and look at a couple of scriptures on this. Matthew chapter 13. And let me remind you of what Jesus is saying here. Matthew chapter 13. And we'll pick up in verse uh, 40. Matthew chapter 13. And verse 40. Now he's just been giving the uh, interpretation of the parable of the wheat and tares. And so Jesus says, As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world or in the end of this age. The Son of Man... Now listen, just listen to the language. Let it sink into you and see. As I said, I know it's a dangerous statement and people sometimes get upset. So well, I can give you lots of scriptures on sinners in the millennium and uh, we're going to be at the old Jerusalem in the millennium. We're going to clean it up, Jesus is. He's going to reign over in Jerusalem fix it all up. Jews are going to be the head of the nations and they're going to become the evangelists to all the world and anybody who doesn't come up to a rebuilt temple and restored animal sacrifices, they're not going to get any rain and all that. I, I, I used to preach all that stuff. In fact, I used to have great anointings on it till I found I was wrong. Smile, you on candid camera. How many have had great anointings on that? How many have taught me? You better not put up your hand. You can close your eyes and put up your hand. 
so I had to unlearn a lot of things. And, okay? So some of these things might rattle your cage, but don't throw it away. Okay, your salvation doesn't depend on it. Depends on Jesus. But you see, there's so much delusion on this thing about the millennial kingdom. And so you dare and touch on it. But I think you'd get a shock if we say, well, what is the millennial kingdom? What's it all about? What's the purpose of it? But see, Schofield is dead and knows better now. He put a whole lot of teaching out on this that a lot of us need to unlearn. But I have to rattle your cage first because the first, the, the secret of learning is first, uh, what did I say, first principle of learning is confusion. How many are feeling slightly that way tonight? Okay, let's uh, get back to the Bible. You're looking at me funny. So listen carefully to verse 41. The Son of Man shall send for these angels... Let me superimpose it on a little famous diagram. And they shall gather out of his kingdom. And what kingdom is he talking about? He's talking about the kingdom in relation to the church, the kingdom in its present form. Is that right? Is this Bible? They shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and those who have the marginal there is literally those who are scandals. And think of all the scandals that are in the church today and them which do iniquity. And let me read into it what Schofield and company read into it. And shall gather them in and put them into the millennial kingdom to get a second chance to hear the gospel under the 144,000 Jewish evangelists. Now, if I was an Australian, I'd say, baloney. Where do you find it in the Bible? And, and, and pity helps Schofield for putting those notes in the footprint of the Bible because many new converts today, when they buy a Schofield Bible, they think, oh, that's part of the inspired text. We should have stuck them in a separate book but not stuck it in the Bible because that's the danger of adding to God's Word. And new converts as they read Schofield's notes and think, oh, that's part of the inspired text. As I often sing, my hope is built on nothing less than Schofield's notes and Santa Press. Are you enjoying this tonight? Yeah. Are you going to be back Sunday at all? <laughs> all right, so let's continue. So the Son of Man will get, send forth his angel, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that are found in them which do iniquity. And he's just talking about the, the, the wheat and the tares and the good and the bad fish, the mixture. Because in the kingdom now, it's got mixture. Then in verse uh, 42 and shall cast them into a furnace of fire, not take them into a millennial kingdom. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then, and I've circled the word then, then, when, after he gathers out of his kingdom all things that offend and those that do iniquity and those that are scandals, then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun where in the kingdom of the Father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Let me give you one more scripture and then I'm saved by the gong. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But I felt tonight that I needed just to sort of, how many know if you're going somewhere and you say, I want to get from here to Sydney and you'd like a sort of map. And when you get a map, you just get an overview 
say, okay, Melbourne's here, Sydney's here, main towns, Albury, Wodonga, whatever, but if I start so now, when you leave Melbourne, you go up this street, you turn left, and then you turn right, and there'll be a one tree hill over here with ten trees on it, but look for the one tree. Then you go down the track here, and there's a milk bar here, there's a milk cow over there. Uh, but how many know when you get the map, you sort of get an overview? So I wanted to give you an overview tonight of the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world and show where we are way down here. Now, let me give you a last scripture to pull this part together at least. And I've probably raised more questions than I've answered. That's part of teaching ministry. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterwards they that are Christ that is coming. Now listen carefully to verse 24. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father. Now, when does Jesus deliver up the kingdom to the Father? Okay, I'm going to say what I believe on this here. Because when Jesus comes the second time, he destroys these kingdoms. Kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. And Jesus reigns here as King of kings, Lord of, Lord, Lord of lords, over the righteous. And a whole order in the millennial kingdom that Christians are going to get a shock on. And this is what has motivated me for years to be 100% for the Lord. Just think, not pie in the sky when we die and sitting on a cloud playing a guitar. No. Then comes the end when he will deliver the kingdom up to God, even the Father, when he shall put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign. How many believe Jesus is reigning now? He's not going to reign. He is reigning now. He must reign until when? Until the Antichrist comes and put the mark of the beast on us? No, till he put all enemies under his feet. And what's the last enemy? Last enemy that is to be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet, but when he saith all things are put under him, it's manifest that he, that is the Father, is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things unto him, that God may be all in all. In the beginning God... In the end, God. That's the picture. Can you say hallelujah? I hope you've understood some of these things and I hope you've enjoyed it. But don't throw it away, saints, because I know I've said a lot of things tonight that I don't usually do. But uh, don't throw it away because there's a lot of parts of the jigsaw puzzle. All right, so I hope I've brought together on the seven parables of the kingdom. How many feel you've understood basically what we've been sharing? Okay, our time's up. Let's all stand. And let's just uh, close with prayer. And parents, make sure you pick up your children. Watch that they're not running around because it's getting dark now. We don't want anybody, any children uh, hurt at all with cars. Father, we just uh, once again bow our hearts in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, for the glory of your kingdom, that your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And, Lord, that though the kingdoms of this world are being shaken and everything that is being shaken can be shaken, we have a kingdom that is unmovable. 
inflexible, Lord, a kingdom that is everlasting, kingdom not of this world's system, Father. We thank you, Lord, that we've been born again into that kingdom. We're subjects of the kingdom. And God, you've called us to demonstrate and proclaim the gospel of the kingdom to all nations as a witness to all nations before the end comes. And Father, as we see things developing so fast in the United States of Europe, in the Middle East, Babylon, Jerusalem, so many things moving so fast, all, all prophetic streams just rushing, as it were, into Flinders Street Station of fulfillment and revelation. God, help us to be sensitive to your spirit and uh, fulfill your will in the earth. We say, Lord, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in earth and in each of our lives. And we give you all the glory in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.